Hey photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. As you probably heard in the intro, I am your host, Nathan Holritz, and we're actually back with a return guest. Now, Courtney, you're, you're a bit unusual in the best way possible. We don't have a lot of return guests on the Boca Podcast, but Courtney Wolf is here. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again. Yes, what an honor to be back. And a unicorn in more than one ways is I'm not <laughs> even a photographer. <laughs> this is also true. And not only that, to, to layer it further, we're going to actually get into a topic that, uh, as you were pointing out before we started recording, is not a topic discussed much in our industry, particularly in the photography industry. Uh, not even the first topic, as I said to you, Courtney, that most photographers listening to a podcast would be like, oh, let me listen to that episode. Um, it's not a sexy topic, but... It's- it's not. <laughs> well, at least not initially, right? But but the the flip side or the other side of the conversation is that as business owners, and for that matter, it's just individuals, we're in a much better place mentally, emotionally, and certainly financially when we address this issue. Uh, and that is a profit and loss statement uh, or, and or cash flow. And um, mm-hmm. we're going to get into this topic in quite a bit of detail today. And, and thanks in large part to your perspective. For everybody listening in, if you didn't get a chance to hear Courtney, we actually had her on the podcast back in episode 328. And we were talking about how to do business with high-end planners. And of course, which you are, Courtney, will you just give a brief introduction to your business for those that didn't get to hear that first episode? Yeah, sure. So Envision Events, um, I'm the principal planner with Envision Events. We are uh, dually based out of Birmingham, Alabama, and now Atlanta, Georgia. I just recently moved here uh, at the beginning of this year. And we've been around um, for 14 years. I've been a part of the industry and alongside Julie for eight of those now. And we do um, operate as what we would describe as a value-based business rather than a volume-based business. Um, So we work with, you know, a a few select handful of clients every year that do identify in the high-end niche luxury world. And we, we got into this topic, you know, I mean, high end working with high end clients, it's, it's a, it's one of those topics that is come, that comes up so much in the photography industry. So many photographers want to go that direction where they're charging more, working with, um, those clients who have a bit more money to spend for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but a big component of that opportunity for photographers is the relationship that they have with a planner and or coordinator. And, um, so for those of you listening in, if you haven't heard episode 328, we'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And, uh, Courtney mentioned Julie, Julie Bunkley was on the show with us at that point as well. You can go listen to that episode, episode 328. But, uh, and, and as a side note, we got to know Courtney in a little bit more detail in that episode. So you can also listen to it for that purpose. Today, we're just going to jump right into the topic at hand, uh, which very simply is how to manage cash flow as entrepreneurs, as business owners, and more specifically, and for most listeners, as photography business owners. And, uh, you know, maybe you said something to me before we got started, Courtney, that this topic is particularly relevant right now because of the effects of COVID on businesses. Absolutely. Let's start there. And let's actually, I'd love to hear from you and your perspective and your experience. What has COVID been like for your company or dealing with COVID, I should say? And what are two or three big ideas that have enabled you to stay afloat during this tough economy? Yeah, so um, at this moment, we have been incredibly blessed. Uh, We really haven't, as of yet, been affected in any negative way. It's kind of been the exact opposite for a couple of reasons. Um, We did launch an online learning community during quarantine. That was kind of a pivot. It had been an idea that did had been floating around in our minds for a while. We didn't, it was just on kind of those bucket list project, personal project lists. 
And long story short, quarantine hit and we decided to kind of just run with this group. We had a lot of free time on our hands sitting at home with nowhere to go, no events to produce and no necessarily inquiries coming in. And so we launched this community, Educate, Empower, Encourage. It's structured as a subscription-based service. It's honestly been a huge hit. We thought we, if we could get to 100 members during um, the first year, <laughs> that we'd be successful. And in the first 30 days of launch, we landed just above 200. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah. So step one, uh, we embraced a pivot. We, we saw that we were kind of given some lemons and decided just to make some lemonade. Um, but some other uh, really valuable points that have enabled us to stay afloat have been that we do run a very lean business um, mm. and general operation. Um, we, we know that we may be a unicorn in that sense, but we try to keep overhead to a bare, bare, bare minimum. And when I say bare minimum, I mean cell phone, internet, laptop, um, some tools and app applications and technology that we use that maybe has a subscription-based model where it's $30 a month or $20 a month to use. We have our insurance, a couple of memberships and some national organizations, and we do invest in ourselves in education, throw in a little bit of some high-touch stationery, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Everything we do in our business is cash flowed. Um, we do not carry debt in the business. That has just been um, a personal choice, but also a choice that does enable you to ebb and flow with the highs and the lows that can come by being an entrepreneur or by being a freelancer. So uh, you talked about embracing a pivot, and, mm -hmm. and and I'm thinking about something that I actually say quite a bit here on the podcast, was to which is to look for opportunities in the market, really in light of, and in, in the context that I normally say this in is, is developing a distinct and, and ultimately effective brand position, right? When you get into a market, you look at that marketplace and you look for opportunity, you look where there's a hole in the market. Mm -hmm. You would do something similar here with a, a pivot of sorts, especially during a tough time when businesses may be down in your primary income uh, or revenue driver is no longer driving that revenue, look mm -hmm. for other opportunities. Now, I, I will say online education is a pretty crowded space in, in multiple industries. Has that been difficult for you getting into that crowded space or is it not quite as crowded when it comes to the wedding planning space? You know, that's a really interesting question. And our niche with the community is very specific in that it is for, one, it's for what we would describe as high achieving individuals. So, they're dreamers, but they're also doers, folks who want to make things happen and put in the hard work to just get, get it done, whatever that might be for someone in their business. The other kind of niche focus we have is that it is um, specifically for folks who do want to serve high-end clientele, either want to serve them or are already serving them and want to put a few more tools in their tool belt so to speak. One thing that we had realized in the crowded sphere of education is that a lot of it is focused a little bit more on other segments of the market and that there are few and far between viable resources that are educating on that very high, high-end niche uh, portion of the market. And so with that lens that we have, um, Julie and I launched the community alongside another planner. She's based out of Dallas, Texas, Wendy Kay with Birds of a Feather events. Um, we realized we had a specific lens through which we viewed and experienced the industry and that, you know, we could share that and that, yes, this, while it is online education, it is a little bit different and it's we made it incredibly affordable and we structured it as a subscription. So you jump in for a few months and can really, um, you know, hold your feet to the fire or you can jump in longer. We have options of upwards of a year. And I think to some extent that's kind of been a little bit of the magic in how we've done so well with it in, in such a short amount of time. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, it really further highlights the, this idea then of, as you pointed out, looking for those opportunities or, the so-called holes in the market that haven't been filled yet. And for those of you listening in, for photographers in particular, you know, I mean, even as things are starting to pick up at least slightly, and it, and it seems to be kind of mixed at the moment um, mm -hmm. with the you know, cases of COVID apparently rising in certain areas. I don't know how this is going to affect events in the long run, but nonetheless, look for those opportunities. I know that one of the things I was just talking to another photographer 
Kesha, who was on the show the other day, who was talking about how she's been doing a lot of micro weddings. And as a result, it really her, her business really hasn't suffered much. Um, I know that plenty of photographers are doing portrait sessions as well. In fact, the majority of the work that we're currently doing at Photographers Edit, my editing company, is portrait work, naturally, because events aren't being held um, as they normally would be during this season. So um, looking for opportunities to still provide a photographic service. Um, the other area I would recommend specifically for photographers listening in, at, you know, for those weddings, micro weddings is one way to go about it. Maybe some of these weddings are, are somewhat a regular size, but on the very kind of opposite end of the spectrum of the work that Courtney does, there are opportunities on the low end side of the market and being willing to maybe at least temporarily set aside, you know, ego for the sake of being able to generate revenue shooting lower end weddings. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, th I think is really important. And I've mentioned this, this stat before, but um, weddings, uh, weddingreport.com uh, generates these statistics that I get every year. Really interesting. And about it's between 70 and 80% of the weddings shot in the U.S. are shot for $2,000 and below. And wow. yet most photographers are, you know, just clamoring for that mid to high end range. And as a result, getting into a very crowded market. So my encouragement very simply right now for photographers listening in is go where there is opportunity, even if it's for you know a short amount of time, look for those opportunities. And there are many opportunities on that low end side of the market. Absolutely. I think, you know, at the end of the day, cash is king. And if cash right now means portrait sessions, and you don't normally photograph you know, families or young couples or babies because you are normally in the weeds with your wedding work. Yeah. There, there's, there's nothing wrong with embracing the cash is king mentality. In fact, it's, um, it's what will breathe life into your business during this wonky time and um, what can help keep you afloat as you embrace the ebb and the flow of the roller coaster that is 2020. <laughs> it has been quite a roller coaster. <laughs> the other thing that you mentioned, though, too, and that I'll just touch on very briefly is the significance of simplicity, minimalism, um, keeping a lean business model, minimal overhead. And, and you know, there's really very little excuse for many photographers and in some cases, maybe even most photographers. I know plenty of photographers that do have studios and the overhead associated with studios and buying um, the, the props and the clothing and so forth. And, and that's a bit of a different situation. But so many photographers in the U.S. Uh, market in particular are, you know, all they really need is a, is a laptop and a camera bag with a couple of camera bodies and a couple of lenses. And you can do a beautiful job just with those few things. Um, so I'm, my encouragement, again, for everybody listening in, pay attention to what Courtney's saying here. Keep your business simple, keep that overhead down, and that will help minimize the need for the additional cash flow, especially during times like this. But speaking of cash, Courtney, I want to jump to the next question. Um, you know, we mentioned phrase, these terms cash flow or phrases cash flow and profit and loss statement. And many listening in may already know what those phrases, those words mean. Others may have a minimal idea, but will you just give kind of a, a primer for each of those phrases, each of those terms for everyone listening in? Yeah, so they are um, fairly elementary in nature, but I do know they seem to scare a lot of folks uh, and not just photographers and not just creatives. Um, business people even get a little shy from time to time with these terms. Um, so I can confidently, confidently tell you first and foremost, they are not scary at all, um, but I would encourage listeners to embrace these ideas in their business. Um, they can make all the difference in your business from a financial standpoint, which sub subsequently does make a difference in your life and in your family. If not financially, it just even emotionally with peace of mind yeah. um, and being able to sleep at night. So that that's very important. You can't even put a dollar value on that. Um, but cash flow is essentially the total amount of money, cash, that is transferred into and out of a business. Um, when it's transferred into the business, it's essentially sales, okay? Clients, uh, booked work. Um, when it is transferred out of the business, it is simply an expense. And cash flowing, when it's referred to um, cash flow, it's typically referred to how it is affecting the liquidity of a business. Um, and I know that can kind of sound like a big word, but liquidity is simply the availability of liquid assets to a company. Right. Um, and a liquid asset is cash. Yeah. Cash is king. So at the end of the day, uh, cash flowing is how uh, it's like the heartbeat of, of your, your business. It's how your business stays alive. Um, if cash is coming in, um, you obviously want more coming in 
than what is going out because if you have less coming in than what is going out, you're not quite, it's kind of in the same way as personal finances go, then you're not living within your means. And in your business, you're not operating within your means and you can be carrying debt um, within the business, which could then, um, and of course, um, debt can be very controversial. I know there's a lot of different opinions on it, so I'm not going to get too much into that, but debt can be a hurdle for you to get over in your business at a future standpoint. Although, Depending on where you're at at this point in the game, you know, there are viable options to take on a, a small business uh, loan at a very um, reasonable interest rate. And if that's what will, you know, keep the ship sailing for you um, into the next calendar year, then that's an option to consider as well. Okay. And that, that it really is a topic in and of itself. So I'll, I'll set that aside for the time being. But getting back to this idea of a profit and loss statement, uh, which represents mm-hmm. cash flow ultimately. Um, Mm -hmm. Will you give just an example for our listeners as to what a profit and loss statement might even look like? In fact, you can even get um, specific with categories and light items just because I I know that, um, in fact, many listening in may have already seen one before, didn't quite realize that's what it was. They might be using QuickBooks online. They have access to that information. Mm -hmm. They're putting, you know, sales and and expenses into their QuickBooks, but they haven't actually looked at that particular report because they kind of let their accountant do do that work or so they think. Um, so just to give a little bit more context, explain what that profit and loss statement looks like, if you will. Yeah. So a profit and loss statement, as you said, it's a standard financial statement. It summarizes the revenues, the costs, and the expenses that are occurred, um, just during a specific period of time. For most of us, that's a calendar or fiscal, fiscal year. Um, this record then provides you with information about your business's ability or inability to generate a profit. Um, And this happens in a variety of ways. You can um, generate a profit by increasing revenue, which is one part of the equation. You can generate profit by reducing costs, which are another part of the equation, or you can do both. You know, you can increase revenue and reduce cost all at the same time. That's obviously um, even better. But essentially, it can be as easy as writing down on a list of paper um, all the money that is committed to you contractually. Um, this year through your clients. And then, you know, do that as one column. Um, and then the other column is all the expenses that you're also committed to for this this year. If you want to make it even easier on yourself, you could simply do this in an Excel spreadsheet and do two columns. One is uh, the revenue that's coming in this year that's on the books and it's committed. The other is uh, expenses. And to just give a general idea of what some... Um, categories might be on the expense side or the L part of a P&L. Um, you might be looking at anything from insurance that you hold, uh, monthly subscriptions such as your web domain, hosting, uh, your G Suite, your CRM and or other systems um, that you might use in your client experience as a photographer. If you do have debt in your business, you may have some payment, monthly payments that are due, whether it's on, you know, gear you've purchased or education you've invested in in the past. You may have marketing or advertising expenses, uh, whether they're online ads, a vendor guide, a print ad, other marketing expenses you may have are things like your business card or uh, stationery, a client gift, a vendor gift. You know, if you have a team, you may also have team members who are due a fee every month. It could be someone in your business that's a virtual assistant. It could be a freelance blogger you have. Maybe you um, utilize one of your resources, such as Photographer's Edit, and there's some expenses that go along with that. Obviously, you have the cost of film. If you're a film shooter, you have uh, internet, cell phone. I mean, you know, some of these things are very basic. Um, but if you just sit down and do a brain dump of everything you do in your business and in your process with your clients, um, you can kind of dump that all into a list and then sort of organize them into categories. You know, maybe you just got a new camera bag, a new lens. Even if you paid for those things in full, you do need to, of course, account for that as an expense in this calendar year. Um, you know, uh, Julie and I saw you at Hybrid Co. earlier this year in San Diego, um, which, by the way, feels like it was a decade ago. But it really it was, does. It was only three months ago. Yeah. Or, uh, but, um, you know, if you invested in going to that uh, conference, which blew our mind um, and blew us away, and we can't wait to go back next year, you know, that ticket needs to be accounted for 
as an expense. Right. Uh, the, the flight to get there, the hotel, the food, you know, throw that in the mix. Those are expenses in your business. And that's, I don't know, Nathan, do you have any others that you could throw in there for a photographer? Those were ones that came to mind um, for me. And I think those are great examples, honestly. I mean, of course, we can add equipment into that. And you know, if you have to purchase a computer, if that's being used um, primarily mm-hmm. for your business, that could go in there as well. The, the equipment piece of it is really the only additional kind of big category, if you will, that I can think of off the top of my okay. head. But I think this is a really great example of line items that, and, and categories for that matter, that, that one might see in a profit and loss statement. Uh, the, of course, the profit side of things, that, that was the, the loss side, the expense. The profit side, of course, would be any revenue that you generate as a result of selling services or products to clients. Mm-hmm. And this P&L then is going to visually represent those two uh, categories, if you will, in your business, representing mm-hmm. money going out. And then of course the money coming in or money coming in, money going out. Um, on that note though, and by the way, I, w- I want to say this, Courtney, for everybody listening in, especially those who've been in business for a while, maybe you're already proactively managing a PL, using that PL to make intelligent decisions for your business. I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence by getting really basic here, but I, I will be the first one to admit, and I've said this before in the podcast, my biggest weakness as a photography business owner was in poor management of my finances. My, my company generated thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the span of about 12 years or so. And I don't know that I ever, maybe once or twice, but maybe ever looked at a PL statement, at least with any kind of intention and, and, you know, tried to make inte- intelligent decisions based on that information. It had more to do with trying to get the numbers in there to get the, get them to the accountant. And that was kind of the extent of my so-called financial management. And it was terrible. Um, I could be in a much better place. I'm lucky enough to be where I'm in, I am now. And since you know, started another company and, and have more experience when it comes to managing data, managing numbers, and certainly finances um, at, proactively. But as a photographer, I would have been in a much, much better place financially had I actually had even a basic idea about what it meant, not just to put the data into to a system. And we're going to talk about a system in a second. Um, but then also to look at that information on an ongoing basis, a regular basis, not just a tax season, and proactively make decisions, intentionally make decisions for the sake of your business so that you can continue to increase the level of profit that you're able to bring in every year. Yeah, um, it, I mean, you, you hear a lot of folks in, in our industry, not, not just photographers, I mean, all across the creative small business entrepreneurial world. Uh, brag about revenues, you know, oh, this many figure revenue, this many this, this many that. And it always strikes me because I'm like, okay, but who cares about revenue? What actually matters is what stays in the bank at the end of the day. Like, you know, and so we're kind of, in a way, sort of brainwashed, uh, even outside of small business world, you know, you hear big corporations talk about revenue, 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 However, they do also talk about profits, and that's what Wall Street is all about, is based on what's the, what's the net profit at the end of the day that these shareholders take home. But I do think um, you're not alone, and anyone listening to this is not alone. We are all in the same boat as that we, we want to talk about revenue all the time, but do we ever actually dig into, well, what am I taking home? Is yeah. this worth it? Am I making you know, smart decisions? Are there returns on investment with the expenses that I'm, you know, plugging and chugging? Because as you start to organize these and keep track of them, that is kind of a theme that will come to light is you'll be just more aware and you'll be able to determine, well, you know, I spent X, Y, Z on this, uh, this particular marketing effort or advertising effort. And gosh, I'll be darned. I still don't have a you know, recorded booking from that, uh, endeavor, (laughs) then maybe it's not necessarily a a wise investment. And I've been there myself, you know, we jumped in on a new platform, uh, last year and signed a one-year contract to do some advertising, which is very rare for us, but you know what? Sometimes you just try something new Sure. and we owe them a monthly fee every month. And for the first, uh, for the first five or six months, uh, we actually had, we didn't just have zero bookings from this endeavor. We had zero inquiries. Hmm. And uh, I said, okay, well, you know, we need to get out of this fast. And um, we we couldn't, but that's okay. So we're, we're biting the bullet on it. And, you know, lesson learned, it'll expire uh, in July. So we're, we're literally uh, like 17 days out from being <laughs> out from underneath Almost. this thing. You, you could tell I'm keeping track, but um, <laughs> 
the, the last six months, uh, we've at least now had leads from it, a couple of spam, and then we did have a real inquiry. It did, it did not actually pan out in our favor, but, you know, n knowing and keeping track of these things, we now know this isn't providing a healthy return on investment for us. So we're not going to jump into it again or things that are similar to it again. Well, and man, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to predict what's going to work and what, what's mm -hmm. not going to work. As you pointed out, Courtney, and we do have to give things a try and make the best decision possible in the moment. And then we ultimately live and learn whether it yep. turns out positive or negative, but, um, nonetheless, I, I, I think that this is, I, I just wanted to make sure that all of our listeners understand that again, I'm not in, trying to insult anyone's intelligence by just talking about the basics here, but I, I think, um, based on my experience, the conversations, what I've heard, uh, over the last almost 20 years in the industry that I'm probably not alone uh, in that, you know, there are a lot of photographers that are not proactively or intentionally managing their finances. And certainly when it comes to something like a profit and loss statement, very little time spent there. So I would just encourage everyone to take this as, as a friendly reminder and encouragement to begin not just to, if, if you're not already entering data into a system, we'll talk about a system in just a second, uh, but once you do start entering that information consistently and regularly, or you have a bookkeeper do that for you, then make sure that you're regularly going to that profit and loss statement so that you're aware of the numbers and you can make intelligent decisions about uh, where to focus your efforts because you see that more income is being rev generated uh, as a result of one particular service or product. Maybe you need to cut some others out because they're not really doing the trick. You need to see where those expenses are eating up the profit and cut as mm -hmm. many of those out as possible. You can do this with very, very little time, by the way, um, just as long as you do it regularly, just pay attention to those numbers. And, and that's really why I'm wanting to highlight this here. But speaking of systems, Courtney, you mentioned Excel spreadsheets. I mentioned QuickBooks Online. That's kind of like opposite ends of the spectrum. Do you have a particular <laughs> tool that you recommend for our listeners uh, if they have not begun using some type of an accounting system yet uh, so that they can proactively manage their, their profit and loss statements? Yeah, um, I think it kind of depends on each individual Personally, for me, um, even though maybe I'm a little bit more advanced in my working knowledge of a PL and of cash flow, I do simply love an Excel spreadsheet. Um, it's pretty cut and dry. It's um, you know easily accessible. If you, if you even wanted to do a, something in Google Drive, such as a Google Sheet, it's something that can be shared with um, another, maybe a spouse, a team member, um, whatever it might be in your business. Those are just very entry level, you know, don't need a whole lot of working knowledge to get what you need out of it. Um, however, I do know that there are plenty of fabulous uh, resources, QuickBooks being one of them. I, I also want to say there's a program called Wave. Um, if you're familiar with that, Wave is set up in a similar way that Mint is set up. Uh, Mint is for personal finance right. and it links to various accounts and then transactions automatically populate and get recorded and categorized and you can watch them and you can edit and adjust them as, as needed. But Wave, I believe, is specifically for businesses. I don't have any experience with it personally, but I've, I've heard about it and I've heard some good things about it. Um, so I think, you know, some people are more inclined to, to geek out with, with technology. Um, I'm not one of those people. So I try to kind of stay in my comfort zone of just using a basic Excel spreadsheet. But if you're someone who, um, you know, it would be exciting for you to use a platform or, you know, you do have a bookkeeper who's got their system set up with QuickBooks and they can connect to you, then, then go for that. I think at the end of the day, whatever is going to either get you I'm not saying you need to get excited about this, but at least <laughs> have it be on your radar, right? Yeah. If it's if it's not been on your radar before, if it can at least be on your radar now, um, something that you check in on weekly, you you know yourself, do what you need to do that will keep you interested or engaged with uh, running your business, you know, this part of your business. Yeah, I, I don't think that um, most photographers probably would naturally get excited when it when they heard, <laughs> "Hey, it's time to you know sit down and enter data into QuickBooks or look at a PNL." Um, I, but I will say, because this, this thing, part of the reason that I had such an issue managing my finances as a photography business owner was because I was scared. I was scared mm -hmm. for various mm -hmm. reasons. I mean, it really, at, at the end of the day, I, I was, I was, I guess, reasonably afraid, uh, because I had, I continued to put these kinds of things off and then I'd end up in a bad spot. 
And so you kind of knew what you were going to see before you saw it. And so you just wanted to brush it under the rug, maybe a little bit. Well, no, (laughs) in some, in some cases possibly, but the reality was I just didn't have any education when it came to managing business finances. And so rather than saying, you know what, all right, I'm going to sit down with somebody who can teach me and I'm going to learn this stuff so that I can, again, be proactive and intentional in managing my business finances so I can grow a profitable business. Um, instead of doing that, I just kind of did the least amount possible and usually put off as long as possible what needed to be done. And and then that just ended up, you know, putting me, getting me even more stressed out because I put it off because I made a big deal of it in my mind. Then I finally get to it. And then and the funny thing was, in many cases, these things that I were putting off, I'd go sit down to do it. And it would take me, you know, less than an hour. And, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I could move on. Mm-hmm. So had I not made such a big deal of it, I would have been in a much better place. Nonetheless, what, what I wanted to, to point out is, while this is not necessarily the most exciting topic or the, the topic that anybody wants to just jump right into off the bat, the flip side or on the other side of making this effort um, is a certain level to borrow a, a you know a hype 2020 uh, phrase or word rather on the other side of that is empowerment it, it puts you in a place where you can actually own your business and own what your business is doing and know where you're going because you now have awareness and really awareness yes. is the biggest value that comes from this and the result of that awareness then is helping minimize stress because at least now you are in some sort of control because you know what's yes. going on and then you can act accordingly. We're going to talk about how to actually act on the PL here in just a second, but I do want to touch on something that you said, Courtney. Um, you were talking about not being somebody who geeks out on using various pieces of software. It's funny because in my mind, it's the it's the other way around. Somebody who would use an Excel spreadsheet is the geek, and the and the oh, and the, <laughs> and the software. Somebody using the software is taking it's the easy taking way the- out. That's yeah. so true. Well, well, the only reason, and that's not that's not a critique, by the way. I, I nope, I'm actually impressed. You hit the nail on the head because <laughs> I I do geek out with data, yeah. data in my business, and knowing, um, knowing that I can say in a conversation, whether it's with my husband or with Julie or with you know maybe another consultant, yeah. I can say with conviction. XYZ is happening in our business or ABC yes. is what our clients are doing, and it's not even an an opinion based statement. Exactly. It is, it is from the facts that I have, you know, collected and analyzed within our business. Yeah. But just to be um, clear, though, for everybody listening in who, mm-hmm. who doesn't know, that information could be had from QuickBooks as well as from Excel. And, and the reason I was saying that about, about Excel is because I don't think that most people listening in actively know how to use Excel at a very technical level. Um, I, and I'm certainly one of those. And, and the reason that I point that out is because, again, for those listening in who maybe have not proactively managed their finances, don't know what it means to actively use a P&L and make decisions based on that information, something like QuickBooks, you know, ten, well, actually about 18 years or, or so ago now, when I first got into business, QuickBooks was a nightmare um, mm. to, to use. Fast forward, and long story short, fast forward to 2020, and we now have this piece of software that's based in the cloud that is super, super, super user-friendly. And it really is literally plug and play. You take the information, you plug it in there. Certainly you can create, you can customize the categories and light items, um, particularly for your reports as we were talking about earlier. But it is very much plug and play. You don't have to know you know, various formulas like you might with an Excel spreadsheet in order to put this information together in an organized way. So for those of you who hear an Excel spreadsheet and you're like, I have no idea. Um, I would recommend actually QuickBooks Online just because the tools are there. They're easy to use. You just enter the information and then these reports are automatically generated for you, um, for you and certainly for your accountant and whoever else needs to get involved. And uh, so I'm going to recommend that way. Courtney Courtney Love can recommend that. the Excel spreadsheet. I'll recommend QuickBooks Online. We've got best of both worlds. Yes. Take your pick. I will say though, I really, the most that I use in Excel is like some and average. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So I don't know all those other high level, uh, codes myself. Although, um, I do have actually a couple of friends who do, and they're kind of, I've started using the min and the max feature as well now in my, uh, spreadsheet. You're getting so fancy. I'm, I'm getting real fancy there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it, let me jump to the last question here where, um, you know, we need to make this practical, obviously. I mean, it's good to as far as the actionable recommendations for our listener, first of all, if you're not proactively, consistently entering income and expenses into a system that enables you to generate a PL, start with that. But once you have that PL, then the question is, what do I do with it? Um, how can I look at a PL, again, intentionally, proactively? I'm, I'm using those words a lot, but that's the benefit here is that you can choose what to do with this information. 
Can you give our listeners an idea, Courtney, of how you look at your P&L and make decisions about income and expenses with that information? Yeah. So the first being it keeps me uh, held accountable to the expenses that we do choose to make in our business. Now, some of them we're going to need regardless, such as internet and insurance and um, cell phone and laptop and some of these very foundational building blocks uh, that it takes to do our job. But at the same time, I can have a heightened awareness of did that marketing effort produce? Um, If it did not, you know, do I want to continue with it? You know, an educated decision on if I, you know, invested several thousand dollars in a marketing effort that did literally produce zero, you know, it's pretty clear to me at that point, no, I don't want to continue with that. And so boom, if in 2020 I had say just for, an example, $3,000 in a specific advertising um, element. If I then remove that for 2021, I have now, if all other things remain equal, given myself a raise of $3,000. We, I did make a move to Atlanta this year, like I mentioned earlier. And with that move, uh, Julie and I decided to let go of our office space. We'd had an office together in Birmingham um, for several years And um, it was a great space for us to, it really wasn't even so much for our clients as it was for the two of us, uh, a place where we could both be in the same room and um, get things done and have a sort of workflow together. And now since we are in separate cities, we just, you know, acknowledge that our workflow will change and she doesn't need to go into an office where she's by herself. I'm not going to need an office. I'll work from home. She'll work from home. Um, We were in a position to where our lease was naturally up and we let it go. We did not renew. Um, And we've given uh, ourselves a raise of about $1,200 a month. When you split it between the two of us, it's roughly $600 a month. But in a year that has been incredibly weird, um, I'll take it, you know, Um, that's a new raise that I gave myself. That's money that now is staying in the bank account and not going outside of the bank account. So Yes, if you're preparing a PNL, you're going to be able to kind of look at these things. And, you know, even if something is successful, you know, you may be, you may love a particular, um, I don't know, a particular social media platform that allows you to post at different times. But when you sit down at the end of the year and you go, oh, wow, that cost me, you know, $1,500 for the year, huh? Um, I'm not really using it as much as I thought I was when I signed up for it. You know, maybe just these natural heightened awarenesses are going to come. And um, at least on the cost side, there's also going to be an awareness on the revenue side in that uh, maybe you see you are running a lean business. And even with the lean operation, you're not thrilled with where your profit lies. And um, that may say, you know, that may tell you, you need to move in a different direction when it comes to uh where you structure your investment levels at for the offerings that you put out, or maybe, um, maybe you aren't taking advantage of album sales or print sales um, with your clients for whatever reason. And as you start to kind of analyze that profit side and that revenue, um, that may be the kick in the pants that you need to add. Um, I know this is a buzzword in, in the photography world, but add IPS into the, into <laughs> yep. the process, you, yep. you know? And so just, you know, and you're not going to like sit down. If you've never looked at one before, you're not like going to sit down and have like all these thoughts, you know, pop in your mind right away. But as you kind of get into this little habit of maybe reviewing, re- reviewing something every month, um, I, I actually just started taking it to a little bit of a new level. And this could be for anyone out there who feels really comfortable with this kind of stuff. Start tracking your profit per client and know where your real profitable clients lie and where your, you know, maybe lost leaders lie. Um, What, where you're losing money on a client, maybe not necessarily losing money, but you're just not turning the profit on a particular segment or type of client. Maybe it's, um, you know, I don't know, maybe it's shooting uh, corporate work. Maybe for whatever reason, corporate work just isn't all that profitable. And you see a trend and, you know, you had five corporate clients this year and, you know, you you only made 20% off of them, but on all your other clients, you were, you know, operating in at 100%. I'm not sure what it might be, but 
those types of things will kind of float to the surface and then you'll be able to make a decision, huh? you know, which honey hole do I want to go after or where do I want to focus my efforts or where do I want to focus my resources and my, my niche moving forward. And, and, you know, surprisingly, these are the types of things that can come of analyzing and understanding a profit and loss statement. Yeah. So really we have accountability for revenue or expenses. I was just taking notes as you were talking, accountability for expenses, awareness of revenue sources. And I'm wondering if just briefly you could explain to our listeners how you have gone into the weeds a little bit and started analyzing the, the amount of profit you're generating from each individual client. How did, how are you able to break that down? Yeah. So this is something that's new for, for us. Uh, we just started it this year, Okay. but we will, um, in, in a separate spreadsheet, um, we will keep a tab on each client and we'll do a box where, you know, a box that's revenue, what is brought in from the services you know, that are contracted for, uh, for that client. And then we'll do another, um, little column in the Excel where we keep up with the expenses that are applicable to that client. Um, right now I'm only tracking variable expenses. Eventually I can conglomerate fixed expenses and divide that by the sheer number of clients that we had, um, in the year, but I'll wait to do that. So for now I'm just you know, if, if they just booked with us, uh, we actually, here's a sign that we might be turning a corner. We actually just booked a new client at the tail end of last week for 2021. Awesome. And so we've come out of the desert of, of COVID to some extent with that, but, um, we sent her a gift. We sent her a, a little welcome happy. And so I tabbed in what, what the cost of that was. So things like that, as we go along, I'll probably, I haven't decided this just yet, again, this is a little bit new to me and I'm just getting into it. But when I drive to see, uh, to do a meeting with her or we do a site visit with her, I was going to track my mileage or, or, or gas or things like that, that I need to get there and back as part of doing, um, my job for her, because I wouldn't be driving to XYZ location to do a site visit unless it had something to do with her wedding at XYZ location. Um, so things like that, I think for a photographer, if they wanted to dive into tracking profit per client, um, same thing you could track. Are there any gifts that you might uh, extend to the client? Do you outsource, you know, when you outsource editing, if you outsource album design, um, the cost of the album, the cost of their prints and anything that might be included in the package or the service that you offer to them that they've contracted with you for and are paying you for, you know, record those. And it'll be interesting over time, at least um, I'm interested to see, are there specific types of clients uh, for us that are more profitable than others? And if so, should we be focused on, you know, niching into those and leaning into those types of clients versus um, just being a wedding planner in general? You mentioned tracking mileage, and, and I know I've been kind of highlighting QuickBooks, but QuickBooks Self-Employed, the mobile app QuickBooks Self-Employed, has mileage tracking built in, and you can set it so it automatically Ooh. tracks it, and then just plug that in, uh, and then, of course, itemize it or, or, or add specific notes to that mileage. So that's been a really great tool for me. Um, you mentioned, though, variable and fixed expenses. Again, for context for the conversation, can you give examples of each of those? Yes. So a variable is expense is an expense that is unique to, um, I think of it as unique to the user. Um, I don't know if that's like a, a formal def- definition. Basically, variable expenses are di- typically directly tied to sales. Whereas it's kind of like a co- cost of goods sold or, sure. um, you know, it, if you don't have a client that hire, hires you out to produce an album for them, well, then you wouldn't necessarily have an album expense, um, at least on that client. So, or, or even for that album, you might sell a different sized album, different number of pages, Exactly, exactly. If there's upgrades involved, things right. of that nature. I mean, even a rush fee on sure. um, anything, whether it's an album or a rush fee on a print or, you know, overnighting film, getting a rush turnaround on film processing. Those are all variable expenses that could be um, denoted to the particular client it's related to. Whereas a fixed expense would, would be your, your camera body, your, your gear, unless for some, you know, unique reason you purchased a very specific 
piece of gear for a very specific job. Um, but in general, your gear, your computer, um, something like attending a conference, things of that nature, they're, they're more fixed. Lots of people talk about them as overhead, your overhead of your sure. studio, of, of your rent, um, insurance, yep. memberships in various um, communities or professional organizations. Those are all f- fixed expenses. You're going to, you're going to have that expense if you choose to, whether you have one client in 2020 or you have, you know, a hundred clients in 2020. So for individual client or tracking, tracking profit for individual clients, most of those expenses are going to be variable in nature. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Eventually at the end of the year, I will have to go plug in where our fixed, uh, expenses fell sure. and then where our, uh, client count fell and then divide that out so that each client has an appropriate, you know, proportion of, of fixed expenses applied to their event. Interesting. Okay. And then when it comes to time, have you begun tracking time with each of those clients as well to see how that affects your profit? Oh, you know, I have never once been a time tracker. Um, <laughs> I, I do know Julie very early on in her career, um, literally 14 years ago in 2006, she did time track because some of her very first clients uh, paid her by the hour. And so she did need to actually, they negotiated an hourly rate and she did um, need to keep track of her hours. You know, I haven't gone there maybe because I don't want to know how many hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I do think that that could be really valuable because it would determine, I could determine my, um, a very accurate hourly wage when it's all said and done, but I have not, uh, I have not dove into that just yet. Yeah. Not just wage, but then, I mean, when it comes to, again, making decisions about what type of clients to pursue, what products to sell, depending on how much time it takes to sell them and then, and then process them and so forth. It's, there's a lot of information to be had in that, that could be helpful. It's definitely getting into the weeds, but, um, I figured I'd at least ask the question because we're talking about, you know, how to, how to get this information so that we can then act on it more intelligently as business mm-hmm. owners. I think I've it's... got some wheels turning now. <laughs> <laughs> well, as speaking of, I mean, that, this has just been a great conversation in general, a good kind of reminder and refresher for me. And, and, uh, I, I have to say again, for everybody listening in, I know this isn't necessarily the most exciting stuff to begin with, but I, I will promise you um, that I was in that exact same place years ago, and I've since kind of embraced the significance and the benefit, ultimately, the value of not only using data uh, or entering data, shall I say, but then ultimately using that data. And that, that's not just applicable to the financial side. It's also applicable to you know looking at website analytics and, and looking at the various numbers associated with the sales uh, services and the products that you're selling in your business uh, and, and the clients that you're bringing in and what percentage of those you're converting. And the list goes on and on and on, depending on the business that you're in. But you can use that data to develop awareness to then act more intelligently as a business owner to continue to build a scalable business. And I think that's where the major value lies. And as we mentioned earlier, Courtney, it also helps alleviate stress as a result, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing um, that we all could probably use. Yes. You may be surprised at how healthy your P&L actually is. Maybe you're, you know, uh, beating yourself up day in and day out that you're just not getting where you need to be financially for this year. And before you know it, when you um, take a a closer look, you might actually be um, surprised and delighted to know that you're operating in a much more sustainable place than, you know, the thoughts in your head were allowing you to, um, to think. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it's a great way to, um, if nothing else, just bring peace of mind. And like you have mentioned, to feel like there is some control in a situation that we, we can't control. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, a great way to sum this up. Um, we just remind our listeners where they can find and follow you online uh, so that they can maybe even send you a message and thank you for all the the enlightenment that you've brought to them during this episode. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I would love to hear from anyone um, either through a DM on yeah. Instagram or through a direct email if, if this has been helpful for you. And as a little happy, I'd love to share a template that I use in um, Excel specifically for cash flowing um, that will show you how to plug in maybe what your um, expected revenues are in any given month, what your expected uh, expenses are. And it's kind of like a plug and chug. So um, please reach out. I'm on Insta where everybody is and I'm at Courtney 
C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y underscore Envision and Envision's with an I. So that's Courtney underscore I-N-V-I-S-I-O-N. Um, if you are on Facebook, we're Envision Events there and our website is www.envision.events. So send me a note. Oh, and my email. Thank you. Um, Courtney at envision.events. Okay, no cool. Dot, no dot com. It's just envision.events. The dot. World Wide Webs are doing these cool things with all these different domains. So yeah, we I'd, snagged a dot events domain. Good for you. I didn't even have that written down. So I'm quick, like furiously writing notes here. That's oh. great. <laughs> um, we'll put all of that in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. And um, once again, Courtney, thank you so much for making time for us and for sharing this really, really helpful information. Yes. Thank you again for having us. Um, I also wanted to mention if anyone is intrigued by the online members only um, subscription based community that we have um, launched and, you know, we're roughly at the time of this recording about 80, 82 days in, um, you can find us online there. It's educateempowerencourage.com. And if you're interested in the thought leadership and the synergy um, that's happening within our group, um, we'd love to have you connect and, and jump in. Perfect. We'll put all this information in the show notes. Everybody listening in, just go to bocapodcast.com. You can see the show notes, the the resources that we referenced today, the talking points, all these links um, at bocapodcast.com or of course in the show notes of your favorite podcast app. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free. So make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.